For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. So, some of us have been being here, and this is our fifth day. This is Rohatsu Sashin. When we honor the awakening, the great awakening of Chakyamuni Buddha 2,500 years ago, more or less, this week, we continue the awakening beyond awakening. And continues today. So when Shakyamuni Buddha awakened, all Buddhas awakened. And all Buddhas of the past, the future, and right now, are awakening this week. So this is a wonderful occasion for us, our Sangha has not done Yohatsu Sashin like this since 2019, anyway. It's been a while, and it takes a lot to, to, to pull this off. So I want to thank Bogetsu, who started this with me. Thank you, and Douglas and Asian and Tantos, who've been just doing wondrous work. And is Mike here? Yes, you're baking biscuits. Ah, oh, Mike, our wonderful Tenzo, who's baking biscuits. And, um, but is with us and has been feeding us and nourishing us. And thank you to everyone who's here, who's been here all these five days or who's here now. So we've been talking about a particular text, and it's a challenging text, but it's an important text in our tradition of Soto Zen in Sino-Japanese, the Komyozo Zamai, the Samadhi of Treasury of radiance is how we've been saying it. So, Zosamai was written by the uh, primary disciple of Eihei Dogen in the 13th century, who was the founder of our tradition in Japan. And it's been controversial um, talking about this this week. Um, it's challenging. We haven't had fistfights for the gatherings, I know, but there's been resistance and complaints and questions about this. So I want to try and uh, say something to open this up. But first, I will. Um, I want to just uh, quote a little bit for the people just joining us from this text. It's a long text, so. Um, I'll just say a little bit from the beginning and a little bit from the part that we've been chanting, just to give a little bit of a feeling of it. So, Cohen uh, talks about how there's a chapter on Tomezo, it's the uh, treasury of radiance and brightness. In Dogen, Shobo Genzo, his masterworks, 
Oh, and Ezra says, this is the unobtrusive application of inconspicuous practice. Carried out by oneself and influencing others. Proper to people who have studied Zen for a long time and have entered its inner sanctum. But we're talking about it to people who are just coming to Sashin because it's so important. This so-called treasury of radiance is the root source of all Buddhas, the inherent being of all living creatures, the total substance of all phenomena, the treasury of the great radiance of spiritual powers of the key awareness of the awakening. So this is kind of a grandiose statement, but this radiance, this brightness, it's not Light as opposed to dark, it's not at the point of saying it's not blue or yellow or red or any particular color. Continues a little further. What is awakening? It means knowing your own mind as it really is. This is unexcelled, complete, perfect awakening in which there is nothing at all that can be attained. Why? Because the form of it is awakening, it has no knowledge. And no understanding. Why? Because awakening has no form. The formlessness of all things is called the form of space. That's a little bit from the beginning of this song text. And the part that we've been chanting, which is lovely, give you a little bit of that. I humbly say to people who are Real seekers who have the same aspiration do not cling to one device or one state. Do not rely on intellectual understanding or brilliance. Do not carry around what you learn by sitting. Plunge body and mind into the great treasury of radiance without looking back. Sit grandly under the eaves without seeking awakening, without trying to get rid of illusion. Without aversion to the arising of thoughts, yet without fondly confirming thoughts or continuing thoughts. Thoughts come and go. This is natural in beings like us. It also says outgoing breathing and incoming breathing, the essence of hearing and the essence of feeling, without conscious knowledge or subjective discrimination. Our utterly shining radiance in which body and mind are one suchness. Therefore, when called, there is an immediate response. This is important. How do we respond to the world? How do we respond to the suffering of the world, of our friends and family, of our sangha, and of this body-mind? This is the radiance in which the ordinary and the sage the deluded and the awakened are one suchness. Even in the midst of activity, it is not hindered by activity. That's much more resulted greeting. The forests and flowers, the grasses and leaves, people and animals, great and small, long and short, square and round, all appear at once without depending on the discrimination of our thoughts and attention. So this Treasury, this Komyozo, this uh, 
treasury of radiance is about his presence in everything, in everything, the cosmos, in the Zendo, in all of the stories of our lives, each one of us. And that sounds kind of abstract. And somebody rightly brought up the question, well, is this spiritual bypass and not, are we going to ignore something of the world by just uh, looking at the wonders of the world? I see Carla has her hand up. Do you have a, a question right now? Oh, that's my cursor. <laughs> Sorry, Carla. Anyway, okay. So, uh, yeah, this can seem abstract and intellectual or whatever, but the point is, this freshness, this awakening, you can use all kinds of words for it, this radiance, is everywhere and has always been everywhere. So it's not something that we have to discover for the first time. We've always been involved with this. Sometimes we don't know it. Sometimes it's hard for people to understand, to hear, to feel this radiance. But I want to try and unpack it a little bit because I want to try and help make it part of our practice. And we've been practicing it for five days, but still. Still, there's been resistance. So, I want to start um, with the Sino-Japanese words, komyozo. And, you know, we can get caught up in words and definitions and, and uh, you know, we can have different good translations of the same text, particularly Zen texts and so on. But a good translations can sound really different because these words have many meanings. But, just to try and uh, make it more available. This Tomyozo, Radiance Zo Samadhi. For Zo, I want to talk about first a little bit. So Zo means Indian treasury, like Dogen work Shobo, Master work Shobo Genzo, True Dharma Eye Treasury. But the Zo, well, it's a Sino-Japanese translation of the Sanskrit word Dharma, which I don't even know. It also means matrix or womb. It's it's an active. It's not some static treasury that you know you can open a wall in a museum. It's generative. It's alive. It's not. Constant. It's not. It's. It, it, it moves. It flows. It's a process. This this treasury, and from this womb comes forth many things. Everything. Everything. The whole world. But it also also all of our practice. It's not static. It's creative. So. In Zen text, we sometimes use the word source. Like, uh, Shito or Sekito says in the Harmony of Different Containers, 
the spiritual source shines clear in the light. This is talking about the same thing. This word source, though, is different. You know, it's hard for us to hear it, I think, in a way. Uh, this is not like uh, the great creator deity. This is not a source that happened sometime in the past and, and now it's going out. Let's say spiritual source shines clear in the light of branches, things go on in the darkness. This is not something that happened one time 2,500 years ago. Or in Genesis, or In fact, it's always with us. This is the source of thoughts, our feelings. This is the source that is happening right now. So sometimes they talk about, about the original enlightenment. But it's not original like it happened sometime back then. It's, that's why it started. It's kind of, I, I like better, but so I'm going to translate books other things that I get. I'm not the worst, which is a big problem for all of us. Because we have to not be get hung up on Particular definitions, get controlled by particular definitions, whereas actually you know, there's a lot. So I like fundamental awakening. It's basic, it's fundamental, but it's happening right now. And it will happen next month. This samadhi and radiance. This is the source of creativity and creative energy. Which is always here, it's always available. We get stuck. We get uh, like the writers, it's writers that creativity block, but it's always available. And that's what this is about. It's this source, this treasury of radiance, of creative energy, always here now. And this is important in our practice of sazen. That's our, our sitting, upright sitting, upright silent, steady sitting, is in some ways about creativity. Sazen is also a source. We sit this week, period after period, five days. Sometimes our mind is racing around, sometimes we're sleepy. But in the middle of that, something can come forth. Sazen supports creativity. Sazen is where we can just settle, settle, calm, return back to this source, to this treasury, to this matrix. Find our own settledness. And from that, thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas, responses, May come forth. 
So I'm not, so when I talk about creativity, I'm not just talking about writing or music or painting or art. Sunset is about everyday creativity. Expression. Dogen talks a lot about Sunset as expression, as a performance. We sit upright and still to perform Buddha, to express Buddha in his body mind. It's not something static. It's, this is a dynamic practice, even though it looks you know, very stern, sitting in this room, just not moving. It's actually about returning to the source, or opening up the source, or allowing this creative energy. So this has to do with you know, formal creativity, but that includes cooking, gardening, parenting, relationships, Walk the walks, join the sunset. How do we support this creative energy? So I think you hear that the Komiozamai is the samadhi. Samadhi is just our meditation practice. Technically, it's concentration. But we sitting for session or sitting period after period, and there's a settling that's possible in between monkey mind and sleepiness or whatever. And even in the middle of monkey mind and sleepiness, there's a settling that is available. And from that coming, comes forth the possibilities of expression, creativity. So, um, another word that is part of this teaching is komyo. Komyo is a Compound of two Chinese characters, they each meaning bright. So it's translated as brightness. I like the word radiates. Some people don't. It's okay. You don't have to get stuck in the words. But there's this possibility of, I don't know, shining. When we, when we, uh, pick something that people for example, put the ingredients together and figure out how to form one or whatever. There's an alchemical creativity that happens. But I would like to suggest that this word, komyo, already is, but also just mean energy. And Ajahn is also about energy. Tom was here talking about Taoism a couple of days ago, and Taoism is working with energy. Another, another Chinese martial arts and various expressions. And in which are connected historically with Zen, but that's not the point. They're ways of expressing something 
that bring forth energy. And yoga is a way of looking at energy. And uh, so, how do we feel the samadhi, the meditation, the settlingness of radiant energy in the body? And in our Sazen and in Sashin, part of the process of this, the life of this, especially the room of this, is our experience of energy. So, and now is there all kinds of techniques to uh, work with the energy. But just in, in our ordinary just sitting, in our simple minded open and zaza, we work with energy. You know, if we're sleeping, we can raise our gaze and raise the energy in the body. If our mind is not around, we can lower our gaze, bring our energy back to our mind. So, uh, and this practice, this samadhi of homeyoza, the womb of radiant energy, is a creative practice. And something can come forth. And sometimes we have no, we don't see it. You know, we just, it's not that we have to look for something, so the text makes that clear. It's not about finding something or inventing something. Or, you know, it's here all the time. It's always here. It's always been here. And so then, it's associated help us connect with it. And even recognize it a little bit sometimes. And play with it. How do we play with the radiance? How do we allow the radiance to come forth and play with us? So I want to just suggest that this is a dynamic practice. This treasury is not static. This radiance is not static. It's alive and we're alive. And it helps us bring forth our awareness and our awakening. And the Buddha Dogen talks a lot about Buddha going beyond Buddha. Buddha didn't have some great awakening like a hundred years ago, which we when was finished. He actually continued practicing an awakening for decades after. So this is not like some practice where we try and get a hold of something. Where we try and have some special experience or get some special understanding. This is lifelong practice, lifelong study, lifelong enjoyment of this wonderful possibility of creative radiance of energy. And then, how do we use this? So the point of this practice is not just to have some wonderful communion with the ultimate, but then 
Some effort to respond appropriately, to be helpful, not to fix things, and sometimes we can fix things. Some some of us are good at problem solving. But how do we just stay open and aware enough to respond from this background of perfect balance, even as we're losing our balance? So I can keep battling about this, but I think I'm going to stop there. And um, thank you all for the comments, questions, responses. Maybe maybe you can help me see people online who have a lot comments. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe you can help me answer those. People on the see them Risa, online. Good. Thank you. Thank you. So the sound oh, is. Hold on. Something isn't quite right. That happens a lot. Something isn't quite right. Should I get Risa? How's this? No. Are you muted, Risa? No, she's not. It's right here. And it appears to be full volume. No, it doesn't. Try again. Hello, hello. Test, test. Yay, I can hear you. Okay, great. Thank you. So the sound has been a little muffled, so I, I hope that I'm responding appropriately. I, I think I heard. Are there any questions? Yes. Okay. So. Or responses. Or responses. So it's a little bit of both, I guess. When I hear words like the source, to me it sounds essentialist. Ah. And that's kind of problematic. Thank yes. You. Well, you know, I think we all, we are, uh, most of us anyway, many of us here are raised in a culture that, um, Essentializes, you know, that where we have a creator deity, of, you know, maybe some gut, some person, or even a goddess up there in the sky. Um, this is not, this source is not like that. It's dynamic. It's always happening. It's a process. 
But it's hard for us to think that way. We, we've, we're, our culture is conditioned to, to think of this as some essence. So the source is a flow, a process. Um, and, but it, but it's, it is present here now, everywhere. And part of the context of our practice is how do we connect with it so that we can try to respond appropriately or we can express creatively the issues or practices in our life. So I thank you. That's, that's a, a very good basic question because we, we, it's hard for us to hear the word source and not think of it as something. So can I respond to your response? Please. So if when I hear such words that sound essentialist, if I remind myself, oh, the person is talking about emptiness and code and and dependent co-arising, right. does that put me in a, a receptive a more receptive place to this flow? I hope so. <laughs> and and it, you know, we, we talk in language, we talk in words, and we have and we each have definitions for all these words and we get caught by definitions and reality uh Jewel Marisamani says reality constantly flows. It's not stuck in words. So you know, defi- definitions are ways of controlling <laughs> our world. We define things, and we want to know what it is and how it works. And, and um, I think awakening has to do with letting go of our need to control. Of course, there are things that we want to control. We want to stop the car when the light turns red. But how do we open up to something more expansive? So thank you for your question. It's a really important question. Other comments, responses? Yes, hi. Um, I was wondering if... Louder, please, so the people online can hear. Thank you. So is it correct to say that the source is related to, or is it the same thing as in constant? Like that everything is in constant, that everything is changing and happening all the time. Is that kind of like another way of saying that that same idea. Yes, so impermanence is you know a basic idea in Buddhism. Everything is changing. So yeah, the source is impermanent. But impermanence is permanent too, not to get too uh, abstract, but yeah. Um I think hearing about the source, thinking about impermanence and the dynamic quality of reality is helpful. So thank you. So I um I found that I, when I did uh, focus on with you uh, on the first day you we were talking about <laughs> definitions and you were saying you didn't you know you, you definitions it's interesting that we're back that everything sort of came back to that not necessarily my question but I do think it's interesting that we we 
I'll just speak for me. Sometimes because of what I've learned, I want to hold on to a definition. But the thing is, it's letting go of whatever it was that I had thought about or been taught to define as in a, in a certain way it can also be freeing. Um, and I, it's interesting that the, the, the pushback here is this, this idea of source. What if just changing it, being different, being in a different relationship with whatever that is, um, whether it have, has been from uh, what we what people grew up with in their uh, sort of a, a home religion or whatnot, but this newness of a thing mm-hmm. can also be, and then it can you can define it, and then you can let it go, um, and then you can define it again, maybe not, but we do need some direction, obviously. So we can't not define things, but we can also not. Uh, I, for me, I want to detach from things, but also recognize that I do need some clarity because if I don't define what I am about. And I know that I is probably problematic here, but if I don't have some idea of where I'm going with the thing, I can get very lost listening to what other people thing is about it. So I need some place to uh, a place to move from. Yes. So I can't. But then again, once I move from it, I can move from it without having to necessarily grasp that or hold on to it so tightly that I can't move to the next step. But I do need to know something for myself, something to to hold on to. So I do need to define it initially and then figure something else out, maybe, if that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you. Very well said. Yes, of course, we need to we need definitions to know who we are, where we are and how how to proceed. The problem isn't the definition exactly. It's we talk about ungraspability or inconceivability. If you hold on too tight to some definition, you're missing part of reality. That is, says it another way. So, we, so it's it's a kind of dance. It's we do need to to have some place to to start from. But then, how do we? And we can go back to that definition. But maybe it's less caught by it if we. Uh, so I, you know, I don't know if the word source is helpful, <laughs> or a treasury, or you know, uh, the words aren't important. The, the, uh, in the Jewel Mary Samadhi that we chant, that we chanting later, it says the meaning is not in the words, but it responds to the inquiring impulse. How do we respond to suffering or questions? And we can use definitions, but the point isn't to be caught in some box with them. So, yeah, as you said, it's, it's, uh, not, it's non, ungraspable. Buddhism talks about that a lot. Zen talks about the inconceivable. We can't, we ha- we're good at, the human brain is good at conceptualizing, or at least some human brains. Anyway, uh, to, to, have some idea about what's happening. And there's, you know, we have some very bright, intellectually grounded people here, and that's great. But how do we not be caught in some box? So, Asian, you had your hand up. Well, I was thinking about this like um, when we think about the universe and the origins of the universe, and we trace things back, you know, through evolution and, and you know, eons of time, and when we get to as far as we can go back, we just don't really know where the universe came from. We don't know what the source is. It, it's it's here, um, 
And as far as we know, it's always been here because what if, you know, if, if, if there was some kind of big bang or something, we just don't know. I mean, some people may know, but I think even most people don't totally know. So, um, so I, I don't know if that's a helpful analogy for this, but it's like we have dependent co-arising and it's always been going on. It's been going on since whenever, you know, time began or the universe began. And um, that's maybe the way in which you mean that the source is also flow. Yes. Yeah, thank you. That, that's, that's help, I think, very helpful. Okay. Um, and there's an uh, important Zen koan that says, not knowing is most intimate. So how do we find intimacy with our world and with ourselves and with each other and with our life and not be caught in particular definition boxes? Of course, we need the definitions. Um, but yeah, I, my understanding of Buddhist cosmology, for whatever it's worth, and you know, maybe this is just my opinion, but uh, I don't think that, that, I think there was, the world, the universe existed before the Big Bang. Maybe there have been many Big Bangs. This, my, again, that's just my opinion. I'm not a physicist, but um, if we try and find the one starting point, um, I don't know. I think I think it's more alive and dynamic than that. Uh, and that's why this word uh, source or uh, uh, you know, origin, again, we get caught in that thinking that there's one place we come from. But, you know, in terms of impermanence, there's everything is moving around. So how do we, but, but the, the point is not to, you know, figure this out with language, although we, we you know, we'll probably keep trying to do that, but how do we actually engage and live with it and practice with it and become more familiar and kinder to ourselves and each other. How do we find intimacy with reality? Uh, there's another word for you. <laughs> and uh, many Zen koans come down to what is reality? <laughs> Why did Bodhidharma come from the West? Anastasia. I had a question about um the call and response, if either one of you, I mean, over the last few days, um, have you all de- uh, did a dive into that? And you say, you know, there, when there's a call, there's a response. I'm not, I'm probably not quoting this very well, but can you say a little bit more about that? Is, is that in relation to what you're talking about in terms of the living out as well? or is Yeah, uh, and this, this text talks about the immediate response. Uh, and uh, Douglas, Mm-hmm. He shook his head, so there was a response. Okay, but it, it's—I don't know. Who gets it? Do you want to add something to that? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, David Weiner in the back. There's one thing you heard me while patient was speaking. Um, a couple of things. Uh, we're finite beings. Um, speak more loudly, please, for the beings. Yeah, for the beings. Finite beings in the boxes. Yeah. We are finite beings. We're born and then we die. And so we have this, this, this sense of limitation, a sense of source, and a sense of ending. And we don't have this, for most of us, you know, we don't have the sense of something's going on continuously. And, uh, 
the universe is still expanding and it's still growing. You know, that's what the physicists say. Um, and that's a quandary, because what's on the other side that the universe is expanding to? <laughs> We're still stuck in finite. And the question is, not so much what is fixed, but what is our connection to it? And it's like the, the radiance is, what is my connection to the universe? It's not how I define it. It's not how I try to put it in a box. But what is my relationship to it? And how do I see it? And that, to me, I think it's a, is a, is an important question to ask. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and he has your hand up, but just to respond briefly to that, there's a lot of Zen discourse that is exactly about the limitations of our human perception and intellect and spiritual capacity and all of that. Dogen talks about going out into the middle of the ocean, and if you look around, it looks like it's all round, but you're not seeing all the details of the shorelines that are out there somewhere. Um, or, you know, for humans, water seems one way, but for fish, it's, it's their air. For hungry ghosts, it's something horrible. For dragons, it's their palace. So anyway, uh, having some sense, as you were expressing, of our own limitations, of the limitations of the boxes that we construct to help us navigate the world, is helpful to be open to more possibilities. Uh, somebody had their hand up over here. Vicky, I'm on. Oh, Vicky is online. Yes. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you. Thank you for that um, offering this morning. What's coming forward as you were speaking about the, the radiance, the source was, it's, um, it's like, it's a radical possibility. Everything is available in all situations which sounds so like hopeful, you know, it's in, in terms of the context of everything that's going on in the world. If I personally I have to start here, but if I personally can remind myself that actually everything is available, it, it's so helpful. And then in a very small situations too, dynamically with home relationships, if I can just step back a moment, and remember that actually everything is available. You know, another possibility can can come forth. Yes, mm -hmm. thank you. So there are many possibilities, and also we have to um, acknowledge our ancient twisted karma, the limitations of this body, mind, this person, and and each of us. So yeah, it's. Um, it's a dynamic situation. I saw a hand. Uh, is that Tyler? It is Tyler. Yes. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Wonderful. Oh, what a blessing to be with you today, all of you. Uh, my body didn't want to keep going, but my mind didn't want to leave the womb of radiance, so here I am on a chair. Um, I struggle with definitions. I don't even desire them. I don't, I, I don't, I can't abide in definitions. But the experience of radiance is something that feeds me when I'm capable of being present 
with radiance or what I feel is radiance. It can be spontaneous. Maybe sometimes it's continuous like a nature walk where things just are emergent and coming to me and there is that call and response. There's the bird that calls in the woods. There's a response of curiosity, of, of, of just grat gratitude that I can hear that bird. So I think there's a lot to be said for surrendering to the experience and, and, and dropping the words just like we drop body and mind. Maybe we should drop kick those, those words as well. Um, I, I feel at times I've had a wonderful dialogue with the universe or with radiance that was unexpected at times where I wasn't even open to it, but I was able to suddenly see it very spontaneously. And that brings me to another troublesome word, which would be miracles and small miracles and large miracles. And um, I think sometimes just putting one of those words in your pocket or in your shoe, like a pebble that you step on, that just reminds you of that word and the fact you're working with it is another good practice. I, I just, I'm so grateful for spending time with you all. Thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just, uh, and I'll call, um, I think David Ray has his hands up, but we can, we should, uh, I don't know how much time we have now, but I, I was thinking, as you were speaking out, what came up for me is that this is about creative energy. And sometimes it appears, <laughs> uh, unexpectedly because it's always there. But how do we, you know, not be caught by definitions, but, you know, use them to uh, share creative energy somewhat. David, did you have something? I do. Um, so I've been thinking about the causes for this resistance, and, and I, I really think that a big part of it is that in, in this language that we're speaking, you know, the, the traditions of monotheism have sort of co-opted all these words, like miracle is just, wow, wonder. <laughs> You know, but, but miracle has got a whole tradition attached. So, and, and radiance, you know, I don't know, it's a little, it's a little, I don't know, cranky, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to think that I, I want to start, you know, allowing for things like thinking of this as the absorption in the, in the, in the treasury of fizziness or absorption in the treasury of, uh, uh, blam, or there it is. Wow. That thing that, you know, because those Chinese characters do have that thing of like, there's this flash, like that that flash word is, is the way you say welcome to somebody when they come. It's like, wow, there you are. And everything is alive with that stuff. So that's that's what's coming up for me right now. Well, that's creative energy. And yeah, the, tre the absorption in the samadhi of the treasury of wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, maybe... Uh, if there's someone who hasn't spoken yet who has something they want to offer, um, okay, I just David. Find David. I mean, no. very quickly. There's a new book out called Awe, A-W-E-S. And Aww. it's just very interesting. And it's study, the study of emotions and the study of awe and what awe means. And what he talks about in the beginning, and this has been going on for years, is first started the negative emotions like fear and hate and anger. And they were able to scientifically, you know, uh, measure these. 
Huh? And then they started a positive one. And these, when they came to audit, they were kind of run back. But what they found is that the emotions that we feel are all about us. It's about our existence in the world. And what awe is, if I may say, mm-hmm. awe is outside of ourselves. It's not us. It's something greater than us. Good. Mm-hmm. That sense of being there. And so, uh, I hope that speaks to what you're saying. Thank you, my gentleman brother. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's that term higher power. I, I don't know if it's if higher is the right word. Maybe lower power or whatever. Higher, deeper. Higher, deeper, or whatever. But yeah. So it's not about we 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 tend to reify <laughs> concepts and definitions and we need to use definitions. But yeah, awe, 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 sense of wonder. That's I think that's what this is about. So maybe it's time to. Yeah, the next thing is the four bodhisattva baths, but I'll just, if, if somebody else here in the room or on Zoom has a burning comment or question, uh, please don't burn up. Going once, once, twice, okay. 